heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, it is not every day that you see an incumbent lose uh, in the the House or the Senate, for that matter, by forty, almost forty percent. I mean, that's that's a a shellacking. That that tells a story, to be sure. To me, potentially one of the biggest stories to come out of the primary season is the shellacking and um, beat up of um, of Liz Cheney. Uh, you know, it's you know this whole thing when you put your flag in the sand and you make a you make a stand. You have to surely uh, you know make sure that you can claim victory before you uh, or or how deep you dig that flag in, don't you think? You know, uh, and boy, she dug it in pretty deep. And and then it becomes very difficult to turn things around uh, once you make the kind of stand and the sort of claims that she made against Donald Trump. But but let's be clear of a couple of things here up front in the broadcast, friends. And that is, as I've been watching these primaries and a lot of the victories uh, for Donald Trump, and he, he's he got like well over 90% uh, rate of, uh, of victories for the people that he's endorsing. That tells a story as well. Not everybody wants to talk about that, of course, but it is indeed a fact. He, there's a lot of uh, telltale signs here, though, that I don't think everybody is paying attention to. And I think a lot of Americans are not really understanding the importance of a lot of these primaries and elections that actually tell a bigger story. There's a bigger story here to be told. First of all, within what you've just seen with Cheney, I think it really, to, in, at least for me, it comes back to an America first agenda versus a neoconservatism agenda, bringing the GOP back, kicking and screaming, you might say, right? Uh, to the old days, the grand old party, right? The the GOP in uh, all of that was, and that really comes from her dad, Dick Cheney. That's a big government neoconservative. That's, that's that whole apparatus there of the Bush policies coming through that whole era there, you know, big government. I mean, the Republicans were also known for spending a lot and driving deficits up in big government uh, programs. Uh, They're surely partly responsible as well. So there's this uh, real fight of America first versus neoconservative. Now, when we say it that way, but let's go further. Within the GOP and the Republican, the neoconservatism that I'm I'm speaking about here, we're really talking about a globalist movement here, friends. Uh, a lot of these people like the Cheneys, they want America to be an interventionist. They want us to be involved in everybody's affairs. This is one of the problems, one of the things I railed against, my golly, uh, 20 years ago in the in the business world, in the community. Why do we get involved in everybody's business and everybody's problems? And, and the other thing is, why are we always insistent here in our country in pushing our form of democracy, our form of life, out there on other uh, unsuspecting folks around the globe. That that really is a driving force in a lot of this that I, I think has uh, transpired over a lot of years. It really has got us into a lot of trouble. 
got it got us into a lot of wars. It's got a, got us into a lot of nation building, uh, and it has certainly uh, uh, robbed the treasury as well. Uh, yeah, of course, the industrial military complex, they love it. They can't get enough of that, of course, because that's get fat and happy with the whole deal. You know, uh, he, here's the big statement I want to make to you right now on the voice of a nation, my, my fellow Americans. And it's this. But please understand, I, I come at this as more of a muckraker than anything. And I'm going to say to you right now, both parties are under reconstruction in our country. And it comes at a very weird time. It comes at a time that the globalists are on the move. It comes at a time when this COVID pandemic has wreaked havoc on the entire population. It, it comes at a time where we see these words, new world order being used and global resets and things that, listen, uh, just a few years ago, I would have said, eh, you've been watching too much Alex Jones. Really, I, I, I would have said that. I, I didn't really subscribe to a lot of that thinking. Frankly, that was a little bit of a witch's tale, you know. But I think the more you look at the evidence today of what's really transpiring, and you look at the World Economic Forum and the, the World Health Organization and these global elites and who's behind them and what's behind them, it, it begins to make a lot of sense, my friends, you see. So both parties are under construction. The Democrat Party, they've been infiltrated from the Marxist left, uh, very surely, right? And they're driving policies that the, that Marxists left that shape the Democrat Party platform. That's why we always reference the, the party of JFK is long gone and dead and buried, and surely it is. Uh, they've become, they're, they're a unicorn now. That party has been, that oxygen has all been taken off from the Marxist left. They're driving the policies of the Democrat Party platform. People like Bernie Sanders and the Unity Task Force and socialism, which is really just a warm and fuzzy way to market something, which, of course, the Democrats are really good at, uh, that uh, come under the uh, the communist empire. That's what this all, the Unity Task Force, the green energy, the climate deal, the, you know, Lock, let's lock it all down. That That's the, the Democrat Party. You know, I, I predicted a few years ago, you might recall or, or not, but uh, I really thought the Democrat Party was coming to its end. I, th I thought they were right coming to and, and this is I've been predicting this now for a little bit here. I do think they've kind of served their you know, bunch of useful idiots, more or less, but they've served their purpose. And they're now coming to the end. And, and this happens in the, the realm of political parties. They take on another shape and form. You know, I have to tell you the truth today now, after seeing the shellacking of Liz Cheney and a lot of these recent primaries, by the way, you could say the same thing about the Republican Party. Hmm. Yeah, the Republican Party, they're in a real struggle as well. And, and you know what that struggle is? It's exactly what I've already described to you. It's America first patriots, what you knew as the MAGA movement. People were put in our country first. And, and that becomes because a lot of the damage that has happened over many, many decades here that we're now reaping the, the uh, rewards of deceit uh, from right now. It's a battle between that America first and this, this real globalist movement, which I think is a neoconservatism, bring the GOP back, kicking and screaming. Oh, that Dick Cheney stuff. Oh, Liz Cheney. Where does that all come from, right? 
And of course, the Wyoming, they rejected that. Boy, lock, stock, and barrel, I'll tell you. I mean, Wyoming, that is a piece of Americana right there. That that you know, that's middle America. That's what that's that's a red state. If there was one, that's it. Uh, you know, so uh very interesting in that Cheney loses now to to um Hageman. Uh, who uh, also was a critique of the of the former president from time to time. But, you know, politics, it, it makes interest in bedfellows always. It changes uh, quite frequently who, who you like and who you dislike. And now you also see from the primaries, uh, Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski, who is about as milk toast as they come. I, wouldn't, I think the word moderate would be too friendly to use for her. Uh, she's the kind of politician that has no principle, no backbone at all, drives me bananas. Um, and so she moves forward and Sarah Palin as well moves forward and she uh, may have a future back on the national stage as well, which, of course, will irritate a lot of people uh, because her brand of politics are they're, they're different. They're different than, than a lot of others out there. Um, of course, these, uh, you know, Palin is well supported by the president, naturally. But back to the shellacking of Cheney. Have you ever seen numbers like this before? 66.3 versus 28.9. That's like an unknown coming from the woods, from the cornfields and coming out of nowhere and taking a beating as they would for that's. But yet Cheney with the Cheney name at that. We're talking the Cheney name here, right? Dick Cheney. Oh, boy. And boy, did she take a beating. And of course, she's come out now and she, you know, she doubles down and triples down and she's going to start a pack, which we'll talk about today and go after the former president and, and also get a lot of this. Well, hold on to the table. You don't fall over on your backside here when I tell you this. If you don't know, she's considering to run for president. Exactly. And what makes her think she could win? Probably nothing. I mean, you, you can't even win a, a congressional seat in your state there, and you're now think you're going to take on the presidency? Well, it's it's all a smoke and mirrors game, isn't it, my fellow Americans? That's what we're looking at now. Interesting caveat here. Before I bring on a, a, a special guest here in just a moment here, get a load of this. Only two of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach former President Donald Trump after that January 6th, will be on the ballot in November. And whether they win or not, we'll see. But only two of the 10. That is unbelievable. That is I mean, entirely remarkable. Completely since the president, the former president said he comes out. He, I remember him coming out right after all that happened. They voted to impeach. And he said, well, uh, I'm going to beat their asses. And uh, he's done a pretty good job of it, actually. Four retired, by the way. They stay, they're like cockroaches, you see. When you know you're going to be defeated, you just like a cockroach, you turn on the light and you run like hell the other way. So the four cockroaches ran. The other four were handily defeated, Liz Cheney being the latest. Uh, and now you see with over 90% victory rate, and now they want to talk about what kind of coattails does Trump have again? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, politics in America, friends. It's uh, it's quite fascinating. Now, remember a couple of points here on Cheney. You know, remember Cheney was censured by the uh, Republican Party in Wyoming. Now, censured. I mean, that being reprimanded and was asked to step down. Of course, she didn't. 
Um, but she remained very defiant through all of it. And of course, Nancy Pelosi always looking for uh, any Republican she can, you know, use as an idiot and rub their face in it, gladly picked up Liz Cheney and put her as a vice chair of her lynching there with the uh, January 6th committee. Uh, that in itself speaks volume. If Nancy Pelosi's picking you from the other side of the aisle, you can just do the math from there. All right, so she calls uh, Trump a threat. Listen to her words. The single greatest threat to our republic is a president who would put his own self-interest above the Constitution, above the national interest. Well, those are her words right there. And now her doubling down, she says, Trump does not have a role as the leader of our party going forward. Hmm. Now you have to begin to ask yourself, who the hell is Liz Cheney to make those kinds of claims? Well, what, what kind of political power does she have? Well, I think as we're seeing right now, not very much at all. As she begins to try to restructure and save some part of her uh, political life, if you will, right? Huh. So let's talk a little bit today, friends, of these uh, primaries and what's taking place. But but these other tea leaves I'm going to pull out for you now so you understand the worldview that is taking place right now, because it is a different worldview. OK, Cheney, Liz, that is, is a product of Dick Cheney, who is, is a neoconservatism for sure, advocate for big government, looking for the grand old party, the GOP of yesteryear. You bet. And it's a struggle between America first and a movement to globalism via all of these organizations I mentioned, World Economic Forum, Wealth Health Organization, all of these United Nations type global entities that are trying to pull America into a new world view. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Joining me on the broadcast right now is George McClellan joins me here. He's a political analyst, historian, writer for America Out Loud and uh George, this was a shellac, and I would venture to say you've seen a lot of elections in your life and primaries, uh, to be sure. Have you uh, ever seen one with a 40% spread of the magnitude that Liz Cheney just took? Well, I think Reagan did pretty good back in his day, and Trump did pretty good in 2016. Uh, the spread is pretty big, and no, I can't think of one that uh, would, would mirror that at that level, the congressional level, but <clears throat> it, it shows that we're moving in the right direction. Well, let's talk about that direction, George, that the, the, the right direction or not. All right, I, I look, you know, you, you've seen enough politics in your life to now understand we're at a very weird place with these two political parties. And you heard me talk on the talking points a moment ago here within the Republican party establishment of the Democrat party. I think both are under reconstruction to the point. I'm not sure both are going to make it through the long road. I think some, someone's going to crack here. It's, I, I thought it was going to be the Democrat Party for a while now. But I, I think, is it, don't you look at this all as a, as a reconstruction effort in both cases? I do. I, I really do. There's definitions involved here okay. that, that may explain or show us the way. For example, what is a neoconservative? Mm -hmm. who, who can define what is a neoconservative? I can picture it in my mind. It's Liz Cheney and Bush and her dad Cheney and, and uh, Romney and, and that people who used to run the Republican Party. Sure. 
But there's a split coming because now we have the Republican assemblies out here, the old Tea Parties reforming. Uh, even in my state, our assembly leader, who happens to be my congressman, I like the fellow, I've known him for years, uh, 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 Ralston, Dave Ralston, and he's Speaker of the House. He's already starting to uh, make noises that uh, if members in, in the Georgia Assembly are, are, uh, have been supported, got there because of the Republican assemblies, he won't support them when their re-election time comes up. So there's pressure coming on. So what is a neoconservative? That's one question. And if, you, and if you're a Republican or, or, or if you're a conservative, you're either conservative or you're not. And if you're a conservative, means you're proud to be American, which means that you are an American citizen with all that implies. You should understand or should at least understand the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. Uh, AKA the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. That means you adhere to or should adhere to the rule of law, have respect for others, be able to say your piece without being censored, rebuked, or injured. And you should be able to defend yourself, your family, and others without the permission of some bureaucratic not numbskull telling you you can't do it. We have the laws that protect us, and the other side. The Democrats are attacking all of that. Now, as to the Democrats, yes, you pointed out there may be a, a split there. That's not unusual. Does anybody remember when the Bolsheviks first started, a fellow named Stalin took over the party after Lenin died and was in conflict with Trotsky? There was a ideological split mm -hmm. in, in the old Russian part, uh, Soviet party. The th difference was difference was Trotsky was a true communist, Stalin was a true hoodlum, and he won because he knew how to battle people. So everything has two parts and everything's running, a, a failing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, that's, uh, those are definitions we have to get into our minds. What is neoconservative? Yeah. And, and we have to understand the Democrats were taken over by the Marxist party years ago slowly absorbing That's them it. until what we got today. That's it. Uh, interesting uh, essay that uh, George has on America Out Loud. Uh, friends, if you have not uh, uh, read that, uh, go read that. And it is uh, Rionism uh, and Trump derangement syndrome attempt to revive neoconservatism. Uh, check that out. It's on the front page. On, on the left sidebar, you'll see it under Notables. And it's an interesting read, but it explains a lot of what uh, George is explaining now. You see, when MAGA movement became very hot and it became a thing, George, uh, then that was a threat to a lot of people. At the same time, you had the remake of the Democrat Party going in, the Marxist left coming in, and the squad and the AOCs, Bernie Sanders is the Unity Task Force, the Green Energy, uh, and then John Kerry. All, that whole movement within the Democrat Party, these are big government uh, people. Uh, they, they live and die for big government. That's what they're all about. Um, it's the haves and have nots. It's the elites. It's the, it's the definition of communism. It's a definition, surely, of their soft, fuzzy word of socialism. Uh, that's exactly what this, that party represents. Uh, now, 
what I've seen just interesting, I want to bounce something by you, George, that I find really fascinating. It's been irritating me a great deal. And, and I'm just going to put it out there. Now, I'm not sure we'll agree or disagree on this, but let me let me throw it out there. I've not spoke to you about it. I'd like listeners to hear this as well um, right this moment. This uh, recent struggle of Taiwan with uh, with uh, Speaker Pelosi making the trip just a few weeks ago and that another group of uh, Democrat uh, uh, politicians uh, from the House also, representatives also making the trip, uh, just days back past year, which continued to irritate uh, China. And uh, then um, they went ahead and uh, uh, they, they're now slamming and doubling down and going after the, uh, Taiwan, of course. And I, I get thinking, as we're talking about big government apparatus and interventionalism and nation building and uh, all the things and struggle we get around with around the world, you know. And, and, and here's what I'm wondering here is if there's not enough going on in the world where we have enough struggles right now, we're already dealing with a conflict of massive proportions over in Russia. We're dealing with a, with a COVID fiasco going on and an economic collapse that's happening, inflation and a recession uh, and potentially a depression. All of this is happening, the plate is full and all of a sudden the Democrat party wants to go pick a fight with China. Now, why is it we have to stick our nose in it? There's, I know a lot of Republicans support this. In fact, they fully supported uh, this uh, this uh, trip uh, with Pelosi and the trip from the congressional group as well. But frankly, George, I'm going to ask you, I'm questioning now why we're sticking our nose and why we're irritating. Why are we picking this moment of time to edge China on to a world fight? Because Xi isn't backing down right now either. And it looks like we're pushing some, like we almost are looking for a conflict. Is this a product of the military industrial complex? Or what exactly, how do you size this Taiwan deal up right now? Easy answer. China has its own internal problems and might not be able to sustain an attack against Taiwan. I shouldn't think they could not do it because Taiwan's a small island, but they haven't even picked up Kumoi and Matsu, which are little tiny islands, only two kilometers from the Chinese coast that the nationalists have, have occupied ever since they were kicked out of China by the communist revolution. There, there are little things there that are very, very important. The, the Chinese has a wonderful military, mm -hmm. but they have no experience. The last war they were in, 1979, they attacked Vietnam and got punished for it. So now here's this wonderful army, this wonderful Air Force, this Navy. They have airplanes built on our specifications, so we know the weaknesses if they copied them. They have a Navy that uh, has one old Soviet aircraft carrier that they've restored, a new one that they're building, that they have built, and a third one that's still in the ways. But they're trying to project that they are a major world power. And while we were once in the Philippines, we're not there anymore, but we are in Guam. Mm -hmm. We have not given up Guam, and Guam is one of the islands of the Marianas, and the Marianas includes, includes Saipan and uh, uh, Trinia, uh, the, the island, I forget, just leaves my mind, the island that the atom bomb was flown from in World War II uh, by the Enola Gate. Mm -hmm. uh, th those islands represent floating aircraft carriers for us 
and so does Taiwan. An aircraft carrier, metal one can be sunk. Those islands cannot be sunk. So that's the closest one to the island. Can they take it? I don't know. China has problems on its border with India. India and China have a, uh, have a schism going right now. China wants to take over more of uh, uh, Bhutan and more of Nepal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and more of the Chinese country, uh, uh, the Indian country, that big uh, valley up there uh, next to uh, Kashmir. And uh, Indians don't want them to do it. So they're starting to separate. On top of that, India has built a big navy. They've got plenty of submarines out there and they know how to use them. Uh, they have uh, they have an aircraft carrier or maybe two now. They know how to use it. So all the things you're pointing out right now about China, you're talking about military strategy. Is this the re are you suggesting that this is actually a good reason for us to edge them on into some sort of a conflict? It's going to happen anyway. Why not get it down and over? Hmm. Interesting. The, the idea that Pelosi and the other congressional group are visiting and he's now firing off and doing all these exercises against Taiwan, you, the timing on it, no problem. And you nope, you, you don't see any concern with it. Well, there's the Pelosi's visit has two sides. Mm -hmm. One of them, she's trying to rebolster relevance of the Democrat Party. It has no foreign policy relevance. Everything was destroyed That's by true. Trump about Biden's Afghanistan yep. withdrawal and his and how he has approached the Ukrainian thing. Uh, so it was important that Democrats do something. Nobody was doing anything. Pelosi decided she'd stick her oar in the water and, and stop off there on her way home. She did, created exactly what she wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, people looking at that theater of coming war, that theater is heating up and mm -hmm. we're not prepared for it. Except now we do have a fleet with two carriers circling. You're saying we're not prepared for it and you're certainly saying China's not prepared for it. it your actual explanation when you get into China's military is very, very good. And your the geopolitical uh, setup, you explain to listeners there, you remind us, George, that in many ways, the China-Taiwan conflict could easily be relatable to the Russia-Ukraine because while everybody was thinking Russia's military is might and this, and you see the images and they all seem to uh, march and step and <laughs> all of this and powerful, and yet they've been totally weak on the world stage. You're implying that potentially China, who is not uh, versed in this, could fall into the same trap as Russia has. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point. And and China has internal problems that uh, mm -hmm. are not are not uh, solvable politically. Mm -hmm. No, I see what you're saying, and I, I get all of that. However, we, you know, the CCP, they're a ruthless group of people. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, the, these people have no value for human life whatsoever, just as well as Russia doesn't either, but China for sure. Uh, they play dirty on every level. They've been playing dirty right along with them stealing technology and uh, the American exceptionalism at every level they possibly can. Uh, when you say we're headed to some sort of a threat, potentially, uh, but of course, we're not helping matters out either the way we're playing this. 
whatsoever. We're not helping matters out. We certainly didn't do it with Russia. We screwed that relationship up. Washington did. And we're surely doing that with China. What I'm still not understanding is there's a threat here. Now, we can poo-poo it all we want. Russia is a nuclear force. China is a nuclear force. They can use these things strategically or not. Or they can just say, hey, all bets are off. Here we go. What the hell? I, I don't know. You, you ask, what, what would they do such a thing? I mean, do we really know that they wouldn't do such a thing, George? We'd like to think they wouldn't, uh, this equal destruction sort of uh, conversation. But do we really know that they wouldn't? In planning, I think the Chinese are 10 years ahead of us. We think for the moment, they think 10 years ahead. Mm -hmm. They know what's happening. The... Uh, now, hold on a minute. Explain. Uh, hold on. Explain to listeners more. Let me be very specific. I like what you just said. You say 10 years ahead of us. In what way? Tell us specifically what you mean by that. Their, their plan is to take over the world and mm -hmm. be the big, big fish in the pond, not through combat and uh, uh, force of arms, but by by the economy and the control of the ocean sea lanes, just getting products back and forth. That, that's how they intend to take over the world and and, and be the big fish. Well, they've been doing it. They, they, they've they been victorious there. Yeah. That's the 10-year plan. That's the 100-year plan. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't think anything like that. No, as I, I tell listeners all the time, we our people play to the next election, George. We don't play even five years ahead or 10, let alone 100, right? Precisely. But, but China has this extra problem. Mm -hmm. What if they started a war... And all, and of course, they're the big manufacturer now. Everything you you can't hardly buy anything made That's in America right. here in our country anymore. What if the supply ships going to China just stopped going, and mm -hmm. they would stop going? I mean, our our ships, uh, our our big ships from this country take stuff to China so they can turn it in, in, into Chinese. You mean if we stopped going to China, if we just didn't go there anymore? Is that what you're saying? Because of a war, because of a conflict. Well, we would get hurt here as well. And we would get hurt with no, Taiwan with no, all the chip. Well, you don't no, with, look at the chips the that chip. Taiwan made. No. Yeah. Well, Taiwan makes the chips. We're bringing that industry here already. If, if China starts that war, and our manufacturers or our producers stop mm -hmm. sending stuff to them. Right. Their economy will quick quickly collapse because there's nobody else who makes it. We they they cannot survive without our raw goods. Just like Japan did in right. World War II. Right. But, they but had, they, they, all all the scrap iron they bought mm -hmm. from America mm -hmm. was turned yeah. into aircraft carriers and battleships and war machines and tanks. They just needed oil, and they. And we cut them off from oil. And that's why we got... But George, let me remind you that uh, China uh, controls a lot of our industries, uh, including our pharmaceuticals and antibiotics and meds. Uh, but I'm talking all kinds of industries, it, it, far more than knick-knack, polywhack, uh, dig a dog a bone. Uh, they, have, uh, they control a lot of our industries that are outsourced to China. Uh, so yes. it would have a massive impact here at home, brother. It would. It would have a massive, but it wouldn't be explosives. It wouldn't be kinetic. Right. Tanks. Yeah, but, but, but I, I see, I look at that setup of a China, as you describe it there. Uh, I look at that as uh, the potential, um, how, how do I say to you, that uh, a wounded animal, 
the more it is a wounded animal, um, the, the more dangerous it becomes. I see the same screwy setup we did with Russia, frankly, that we messed that up big time with the Russia, Russia, Russia thing and that whole fiasco of the dossier. I mean, we made, an, a, we made a disaster out of the Russian relationship with the, I mean, we, we had a chance and Trump wanted to sort of try to build a, a relationship there, but it was blown up. I see the same thing happening with China now. He also tried to bridge the China. See, Trump knew both Russia and China were very strategic. And as always, you want to create a relate. You, you know, one of the old sayings in the boardroom, Trump always got, uh, George, always keep your enemies close and closer. Now, the media, of course, being the jackasses that they are, uh, made that, that, oh, Trump was playing with dictators. And, you know, it, it, Trump was never playing with dictators. Trump knew that you keep your enemies close. The same thing with him, he did with Kim Jong-un in North Korea. He knows these people got screws loose. But that's how you do it. You did it in the corporate boardroom. It's the same thing you did on the foreign policy stage, don't you think? Well, that's true. But uh, the wounded animal metaphor doesn't mean that we will have wounded wounded them. They will have wounded themselves. And they're in the process of doing that now. But they're still wounded. But they're still wounded. Yes, but they're going to have to solve their internal problem to fix the wound, not attack America or anybody else. Yeah, you know, interesting. All right, I I hear you. But I I think we're playing with fire, however. You know, this whole, uh, the more I see this with America First Agenda and who we are as a people, I don't know, putting our foot in sending our uh, congressional representatives to Taiwan and just pissing China off just for the sport of it right now. I got to tell you, George McClellan, I think it's totally reckless and, and I, I do like your analysis of Pelosi uh, trying to make, I, I think you're spot on when you said her trying to make the Democrat Party somewhat relevant in foreign policy. I think everybody listening can understand that they're just not a foreign policy political party. They've made a disaster out of it, the Democrat Party. They always have. They always, they always will. And that's And your analysis on that is perfect, especially after Afghanistan, as you say, with the year anniversary now. You're right with what you say there. But I, I can't see anything good coming out of us trying to uh, taunt China right now. I think it is reckless. It is stupidity at its best. And I, I, I call Pelosi out and the congressional folks out. I think we got enough on our plate right now without tipping China off and creating a worldwide catastrophe right now on that side of the globe, on top of the other. And, you know, whether or not it's going to happen at some point or not is I don't think that's the conversation right now. But the last thing we need right now is another massive global confrontation, don't you think? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. We, we do not need one. We cannot afford one any more than, than Russia can afford it or anybody else. This, this little thought, nobody sent Pelosi. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden didn't stop her. That's right. She sent herself. Yeah, she and, sure did. Yeah. And, and and two, she took her son, Paul, mm -hmm. and he was not even on the manifest, but yeah. she took him. Why? Yeah. Because she has economic uh, interest in China and wants to protect him. Yeah. So so the point to get to the crux now when you're listening out there and you say, well, what does this all really have to do with Cheney? Well, it has a lot to do with this. If you follow my uh, perspective here of what I'm suggesting to you. Because this whole deal of um, the, the GOP and the Republican Party and Cheney and Dick Cheney and big government apparatus, and there's a mindset here is what I'm trying to spell out to you, friends. There's a mindset 
and there's a dangerous path for America. We here's the thing, and I and we'll talk more with George, you know, a little bit here. But let me say that you know we do we do not have our house in order here. We have two political parties in total disarray that are under reconstruction. Uh, we're you talk about having your pants down around your ankles. Uh, we surely have it here at this point. I mean, it's we have a massive problem happening here. Uh, you know. We're not we're not set for anything. We, our military is woke. Our military is weakened. Uh, the political structure is is uh, ablaze in Washington. We don't have proper leadership. Uh, you know, we're not in the right position to be edging on a world conflict. And you know, it wouldn't take very much at this moment to push things over after this pandemic episode and the globalists on the move as they are to push us into a real world conflict. We're not far from it right now, my fellow Americans. And we can sit and play ping pong or chess all day long with the chips here where they fall. But the world is a lot of uncertainties right now. And this is not the time for us, for the United States of America, to be playing reckless. So I call out Pelosi and those congressional representatives and damn on them. For taking the position they have in edging on China, I think we need to uh, back to where Trump was. And remember the meeting he had at Mar-a-Lago with uh, Xi Jinping when we were threatening back and forth. And he was playing uh, politics with uh, Kim Jong-un. Remember all that was happening in real time. Quite fascinating. But, you know, we all felt a sense of security at that moment, I would argue with you back. We all felt a sense of security still, even though the media elite and these people were calling out Trump as being reckless. I mean, call it people. I mean, and I, I would suggest to you back that I think people felt safer then uh, with Trump at the helm in dealing with these people. I, I know we did. Uh, absolutely. And and I, I don't know that it's an arguable point. Do you feel safer now? I don't, I don't think so. And so the political class have weakened America. I think the reconstruction of these two political parties, and I think the bigger conversation of where the GOP is going, and Liz Cheney, let me, let me say this, Liz Cheney is the writing on the wall. Wow. All I'm going to say is, wow. Liz Cheney is the writing on the wall. If you're an incumbent representative, you're an incumbent representative as a, as a congresswoman in the House, and you lose your seat by almost 40 percentage points, my friends, that is historical in nature. And that just, just simply does not happen every day. Keep in mind that America tends to always give the incumbent the nod. We tend to always put them back into office to our peril often, to our peril, but we always give the nod to the incumbency, which is why these cats are up there too damn long and it's why they always leave in a wheelchair and an oxygen tank because they make a whole damn career out of it, getting rich, fat, and happy and drunk on, on our bill, on our money. Something's wrong about the whole system. My bigger point today is what's taking place with these two political parties. And the exact story we're talking about here with Taiwan, and the reason I brought that up with George, is this whole mode of us putting our business where it doesn't belong, really. And, and this whole edge in China on at this moment, 
with uh, with Taiwan by sending our top politicians and the Speaker of the House out there is absolutely edging China on. It's almost saying it's picking a fight with the bully around the corner. But the thing is, when you pick a fight with the bully, you always want to make sure you've picked it at the right time and you're ready to defend what what you put up. We're not doing that right now, friends. These people are entirely reckless what they put forth right now, I would suggest to you. And, and so I, I, I think if we can get Americans to open up their eyes right now to understand this move of globalism, what's happening, because it, it's a. Uh, it's in our elections. It's in our primaries. It's it's going to be, I think, the big telltale sign right now in 2022, 2024, and quite frankly, 2026 and 2028. I would suggest to you between now and these next uh, 10 years are going to be, I mean, it's going to determine the future of this nation, but no stretch, no, no, no stretch here, people. That's it. We're, we're now coming up on the magic number of 250 years. We're just a few years off now. And it, you know, it's gonna be a landmark moment for our country if, if we can get there, people. But what do we look like when we get there? And what does the future hold for the next generations? Uh, the questions, these are the things I bring up with you all the time that we wanna talk about here. So a lot more there. Well, listen, let's, uh, let, let's uh, take a pause here, just a moment here. And also, I want to mention to you one of our new strategic partners, MyFreeDoctor.com. Uh, you, 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 you've heard me talk about it really over the last couple of few years uh, on a lot of these um, COVID programs and, and very serious programs we've had helping people out. And uh, they are a Christian-based uh, nonprofit, just a tremendous group of folks here and uh, right in the heat of COVID and the lockdown, they were helping people out to the magnitude. It was just amazing, getting them the meds and the drugs they needed and saving lives. So people who are now suffering with long COVID, people that are suffering with other problems, with the vaccine injuries, that sort of thing, or even COVID itself, or any of these things, or you need the meds or I, a lot of people write in, where do I get ivermectin from, Malcolm? Where do I get hydroxyl? Well, myfreedoctor.com. They, they run the organization based on donations, basically, but it really has been free. And they're just tremendous. They're just warm people. I, I really like them. That's why I've talked about it. So I'm thrilled to be able to help support them. They are one of our strategic partners now. You'll see their banner ad back at americaoutloud.com. Now it's just been added. Go look at strategic partnerships either on the front page or on any show page. And while you're there, check out that other great list of products we have like Cofix RX, the nasal hygiene, 20% off that product, healthy cell, uh, the, the, the microgels and all the great products as, as well as the Genesis Fogger HOCL. Spend some time and click those messages. We've got them there strategically for the reasons that they will benefit your lives. That's the kind of partnerships we're looking for here at America Out Loud. So check those out there back on the site, friends. We'll take a real quick pause here. We'll be back and be joined again with George McClellan here. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. 
MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. And we join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Aloud here, yours truly. And always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the program. And what do you think about President Liz Cheney? Does that ring in your ears? President Liz Cheney, do you think in your lifetime? I'm going to probably say if you lose by 40% in your state that you're running for representative, I doubt you're going to make president anything in any lifetime, frankly. And that is the story here today, as you see the primaries of Wyoming, what took place there. And the Republican congresswoman took, uh, well, she took a bath, a shower and a, and a, and a cold bath at that, uh, to be sure. What a wake up that is and a loss. I would have never guessed. It was uh, to that level. Uh, I would have never, never guessed, uh, but it, but it is. And and she did take a shellacking. Uh, in any event, uh, with with that said, uh, with uh, Liz Cheney here, uh, she now comes out and says, eh, she's thinking about potentially running for president. You know, in the moment of defeat, you think, okay, what you know, what what would you do? She she's going to run for president. I mean, where does this even come from, this kind of thinking, that somebody could think she, she couldn't run for dog catcher right now or mosquito control and potentially win? Uh, but that's that's her way of kind of kicking back against Trump. Oh, well, I'm not going away. And, of course, she created a pack as well. Uh, George, George McClellan's back on with me here. And, George, you see she's got this pack. She's going to call it, uh, what does she call it? Oh, the Great Task. And, and also, you'll love this, George. She uh, put herself up as a reference in Abraham Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address. You talk about, well, you know, George, the best thing I can say to you is this. And I'll tell listeners, I think Liz Cheney has pretty big ovaries. What do you say to that? 
She has two chances, zero and none, right up there with John Kasich. <laughs> I mean, I, probably, but I, I, Kasich probably have a better shot than her, and he has none. You're exactly right. Uh, so she's created this PAC, this political action committee. She's got about, I think, seven million uh, left there, George, from the um, the uh, cash on hand from the uh, the election. You know, the election that, that she didn't spend. Uh, she she actually outraged uh, uh, Higman uh, by uh, twice as much. I understand quite a bit of money she outraged. So and so she's got the new PAC, great task, and her whole goal now. So how is it that people like this are going to fight? It's all negative energy. So her whole desire now, her I mean, what kind of a career is that? I mean, what talk about stupidity. What kind of a career would somebody just spend all of their political energy and political power on making sure somebody else doesn't step into office that she thinks Trump is such a risk to our republic? What do you make of that? Well, uh, she's going to have a few screws loose. Well, probably. But if she wants to spend her money, she'll be providing employment for other people. But uh, she has at least she has one asset in her favor, and that's the media. She is the media's darling, a, a uh, fallen angel from the Republican Party, and they'll support her. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The, the media, they're, they're all over it, and they continue to run her stories and make them front and center and watch the headlines they put onto those stories. It's always, always fascinating here. Um, looking at Liz Cheney politics, George, and looking at the Republican Party and neoconservatism and the fact, and I always knew this was going to happen. And this primary season to me has proven it to be true. The fact that they are, they don't want to come back. They don't want to be taken back, kicking and screaming. So they're fighting this all the way. Um, speaking about the Cheneys of the world. Uh, the MAGA movement in America, it's really, I think we're really calling it more America first now, aren't we, George, more than even MAGA now? Well, yeah, America first. I like that better. I like it. But MAGA, it's it's on a lot of hats. People yeah. had hats four years ago. <laughs> it does. It does. sold a lot of hats. You're right. If you're in the hat business and you made a red one with MAGA on it, you surely made a lot of money. Liz Cheney has one other attribute. She was removed from the leadership. Yeah, she was already removed. She was the third most powerful put into place, right? That was that was the beginning of her end. And it was very important because the, the neocons are still trying to convince us that we need to return to people like Bush to keep America afloat because everybody hates Trump. But nobody hates Trump except them. I'm a Trump supporter. I love it. I love what he did. I don't even care about his tweets or his hair. Yeah, he's well, the, he's, in he's that order, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's in that order. Uh, yeah, I like to rhyme things. Right? Yeah. Well, when you say, you know, I, I think more so, even more so than whether you're a Trump supporter or not, it's you're a supporter of his policies. Uh, and what has succeeded for America. Isn't that really the better way to, isn't that the truth? Well, sure, if you want to say it that way, but I, I brought him on because he looked like a maverick and he said what he thinks that he was going to do. And damn, yeah. he didn't do them. Yeah, well, he did. He, he's a fearless uh, man. He's, he, as I said to people just recently, and I told listeners this past week, he's brazen. You know, George, 
when you get a political fellow like this, there's a word we often hear that's called courage. With Donald Trump, it's not courage, it's brazen. Brazen is another level up from courage. He's fearless, he's brazen. And when you're brazen, you're, nothing holds you back. You're willing to put it all out there. Basically, a guy like this has nothing to lose at this point. Any doubt that he's going to be in the race for 2024? Nope, he's going to be there. And he's an in-your-face politician, and he wants you to prove it. If you make a statement, you better prove it. Right, right. Or he'll call you on it. Prove that or prove. So, what do you think happens? Who does he end up running against? Let's take a let's take a shot at this now. You got your crystal ball out, George. Um, So, if he if he now, all right, let's talk about the Republican person, the primaries. Is he going to have challenges, or does or or does the field lay down for him? Some are suggesting the field needs to lay down and and let him have it. Does that happen, or does he have challenges? That 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 could happen, but. Not we will not know until after November's elections. Okay, because because I mean we got some wonderful people out there. DeSantis would make a wonderful president, and he would make a better a good vice president. But he hasn't finished holding up Florida yet, so he's got to nail that down. Mm-hmm. So he can have a chance in eight in four more years. The uh, Pompeo out there, wonderful wonderful candidate, make a wonderful president, a West Point graduate and secretary of state. Uh, um, a couple of women, uh, the South Dakota uh, governor wouldn't Christy probably. Christy Nome, you're speaking of. Christy, Christy Nome would be very well. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, we good. just have a depth of talent mm-hmm. who are conservatives, mm-hmm. not neoconservatives. Right. There's a, and we're really, I'm so glad we're pointing out that difference here. And Mitch McConnell, by the way, came out and said Trump would face a crowded field in his bid for president. Uh, he was a court. Yeah, exactly. A crowded field. Uh, but I mean, but what's a crowded field look like? I, I mean, a bunch of ha- has, has nots. I mean, who's in it? Losers. I mean, last time Trump swept the floor with them and washed the floor as well with the whole group. It was hysterical. It was a primary we had never seen back here in 2015, 2016. It was absolutely, totally entertaining. Uh, that's when uh, I used to brand it as a version of polytainment, uh, the intersection of uh, politics and entertainment. And a lot of the kids and the youth got involved in politics at that point because it was very, very, Trump was very entertaining, George, you know. It's different. Yes, he was. He was. He entertained it and he made politics fun. And as a winner, if you make it fun, you're going to have a few people following you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he labeled everybody with a name. It was His brand was very unique in what he did. And again, his backdrop, uh, you know, and the fact he's accustomed to winning from the boardroom. He's taken that to Washington. He's played Washington like the boardroom in many ways. Of course, Washington doesn't really work like that, but he made a lot of good inroads to changing things the way they needed to be changed. The problem, George, where uh, people would argue, and a lot of people in my ear get upset, is that he edges the left on to, with a lot of his uh, sarcasm and outburst that he, he, may, he empowers the left more by edging them on, that he doesn't know when to shut up. That's what people tell me in my ear. I just had somebody nationally tell me this the other day. He doesn't know when to zip it. What do you say to that? Well, that could be. But when, every time he edges them on, they, they screw up worse. They have nothing to present to the electorate. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why but doesn't he make his job harder by doing that? They're asking, doesn't he make the job harder by doing that? And maybe if he backed off a little bit, it might be an easier road or do, does this chaos and no. conflict serve as well? Who, who needs an easier road? He, 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 he bought into that. That's what he wanted to do. And, and he's doing it his way. You know, when it's easy, he doesn't have yes men around him. If he had yes men around him, yeah. he wouldn't have to ask him questions. Yeah. He wants, yeah. you know, so yeah, he likes the battle. That is his, that is his chessboard. I know. Definitely his chest uh, George, you're you're a treat. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I love when you say a minute ago. I love when you say um, uh, the uh, he, he um, that he he loves his battle. No, he doesn't want an easier road. And I think you're right. I think you're uh, Trump loves uh, the the fight. Uh, even the FBI raid, as egregious as that was, and as unprecedented that was in American history. People that seen him the next day actually said, and uh, he there was no sweat on his forehead. He took it all in stride, cool as a cucumber. This is after they raided his house, raided everything, even took his damn passports. Uh, you know, I mean, geez, and since have evidently returned them, but swept up everything. And as he said, and I and I get the visual of this, friends, almost like a common criminal. Think about that, a common criminal coming into your home or your your life and just t- doing their hands and sweeping everything up into some sort of a bucket as they steal you blind. That's a hell of a reference point when the FBI raided his home. You know, think about that. Wow. But they said it was cool as a cucumber the next day. Remarkable. Um, very, very remarkable. Trump is a man for the times of some very unique moments in our lives. It's hard to describe. Um, you know, America first, as George was saying, is is a brand that has legs to it. And it's the opposite of, a, of neoconservatism and these neocons. It's the opposite view of that who have their nose in everybody's business, which is why we talked a little bit about the geopolitical landscape today as well. It fits clearly into the landscape of politics, to be sure. Um, this primary with Liz Cheney, I, I think, was a real moment to define uh, neocons and define globalism and define the, these two political parties and the position they find themselves in. I hope we can rally more Americans around the idea of America first. If we take care of our own business friends, we're going to be in a far better position uh, to be able to help other folks out wherever they may be around the world or in far distant planets, for that matter. Huh? <laughs> uh, who knows what the future brings uh, for this for this world? Uh, we, we surely hope the best, I'll tell you. We're in some unprecedented times. Talk about unprecedented. It's a word we're hearing a lot lately, isn't it? Uh, we surely are. Listen, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Join us there and share the out loud truth. We're on the march for the uh, getting the uh, liberty and justice for all and delivering that out loud truth to America and around the globe every day, 24-7 on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Friends, it's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.